This episode is sponsored by SilkNodes, your validator in the Cosmos ecosystem. Centralization in Cosmos is a huge issue. For example, do you know how many nodes it takes to hold an major network on Cosmos? For Cosmos Hub and Osmosis, it's only six nodes. For Juno Network, it's eight nodes, and for Stargate Zone, it's only 10 nodes. This is a major issue for blockchain to ever go mainstream. To solve this, we need you to delegate or redelegate to smaller validators. SilkNodes is a great, relatively small validator that validates blocks on major networks like Cosmos, Juno, Osmosis, Epmos, and more. So go and delegate to SilkNodes today and help blockchain become truly decentralized. Yeah, live. So uh, welcome everyone to the Cosmos Club, where we tweet all things Cosmos. We uh, summarize that in a weekly newsletter, and then we invite interesting, fascinating, hardworking builders of the Cosmos ecosystem to spaces like these. And today we got you, Alani, from Akash Network. Welcome to the club. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I actually, I listen to some of your uh, podcasts and your messaging. I follow you guys. I see what the messaging is out there. Um, and thank you for what you do. It's nice to have uh, voices within the Cosmos space that really take a 360 degree view on everything going on, right, wrong, or indifferent, whether or not people agree with it, but you guys focus on the things that matter. So thank you for what you do and thank you for having me. Thanks, man. It uh, means a lot coming from, from you guys. So um, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure most people do, but uh, for anyone who doesn't know, let's just take it from the top, perhaps. What is uh, Akash Network and why do people need to pay attention here, especially these days? So, you know, Akash Network is what we call the unstoppable cloud because this allows developers to launch applications such as DeFi apps, blogs, games, data, visualizations, anything, block explorers, blockchain nodes, what have you, um, on decentralized cloud infrastructure. So think of what Airbnb did for the hotel industry, Akash has done for cloud services, cloud compute specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's a distributed peer-to-peer -peer marketplace for cloud compute. Awesome. Awesome. And maybe uh, for, for anyone who hasn't hosted anything uh, ever, um, maybe a bit of context on this whole space, because a lot of people, I think, have the misconception that cloud is distributed, right? It's, it's, it's the cloud. It's out there. But in reality, that's not exactly true. No, no, not at all. Um, and that's that's a very interesting point you bring up, you know, because... We have to, you know, for us to really, you know, understand, you know, how we got here. I think it's important, you know, to think about how, you know, Web 1, Web 2, you know, and Web 3 evolved, right? So considering, you know, between 1990 and 2005, we had Web 1, which was based on decentralized and open protocols. It was mostly community governed and value accrued to the edges of the network, to users and builders. So initial, you know, Yahoo, you had GeoCities, you had all this list serves and different, you know, the days where you put up your HTML page and you can host it anywhere if you know, know a thing or two about um, you know, IP protocols and, you know, subnets and what have you. So at mm -hmm. around 2005, what we started to see was consolidation. And that was the onset of Web2. And it went for about, you know, 
15, 20 years, you know, 2005 to 2020, literally. And we started seeing consolidation where information became siloed and centralized services running, you know, being run by corporations. And what happened yeah. was we saw the emergence of Facebook, you know, WordPress, you know, Blogger, LinkedIn, Twitter, Flickr, Delicious, Google, you know, RSS Bandit, um, you know, YouTube, High Five. And what happened was all the value moved away from the edges of the network. It accrued to a few players. So what I love to say is at the time, Web2 socialized the cost and they privatized the games. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so we see this emergence of central authorities that over time, as we know very well, fellow members of our species, we have a very, very good habit of bastardizing anything. Okay. <laughs> so we started to <laughs> see that consolidation and that consolidation led to, you know, we jeopardize our privacy where you sacrifice your privacy for convenience, right? We start to see the yeah. public-private partnerships where entire governments will collude with these centralized entities, you know, to not only monitor, censor, you know, monetize, re-optimize, in some cases, just completely, you know, discombobulate, you know, information, you know, down to the minute personal level. So now Web3 emerges, okay? And Web3 mm -hmm. combines the centralized community-governed ethos of Web1 with the advanced modern functionality of Web2. But in this case, we socialize the cost and we socialize the gains because it's owned by the builders and the users and is orchestrated with tokens, right? So now we're using the blockchain yeah. to enable decentralized hosting, compute, and persistent storage in a way that is completely decentralized so that all participants have a stake in the process. So we're moving away now from the premium model where you surrender your personal data in order to use free services provided by tech giants like Google, Microsoft, or Amazon, right? And we, 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 we also sacrifice public trust because Web 2.0 was controlled by big tech and beholden to regulators and they're you know, hand in hand with each other. And there is zero institutional accountability which means the current web requires trust in institutions that you cannot hold accountable. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a big narrative, right? I mean, uh, regardless of what happens between uh, C uh, Binance and uh, FTX or whatever is going on in crypto right now, mm -hmm. this is why we wake up every day and work hard. Like, for me at least, it's a very simple choice. We stand in front right now. We either build a future where a handful of companies generally situated in the U.S. will just become more and more powerful, where they will become richer and richer and, and at some point own anything that has uh, some level of value. That is either that future or a future where we decentralize, distribute computing networks, and give back the power to the people, really. Yeah. That that's the that's the future that's the two futures that we have and, and we are the ones deciding today. Correct. So that that's fascinating because when we think generally about why web3 matters, right? Consider this. 23 cents of every dollar spent on IT infrastructure goes to one of three entities. Amazon, Google or Microsoft. Hmm. 
That's and scary. Right? It's exactly. scary. That's very scary. So now take that at scale. These so think, just think about the cascading effect. When you go to whether it's Amazon.com or Target or wherever you shop, and the price of a commodity goes up, the price of cornflakes, for example, goes up 20 cents or a dollar. Mm-hmm. It's generally not because someone arbitrarily raised the prices. Every time, if the if 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 your co- if your cloud infrastructure cost goes up a cent, and your annual spend is a hundred million dollars, okay, that cost is passed on to the it rolls downhill. It's passed on to the consumer. Yeah. So we all collectively pay for it. <laughs> you know. So those are the fine points that we start to look at. As wait a minute, when they've socialized the cost, and a few people privatize the gains, we are automatically in, in an oligarchy, right? Now, yeah. from a Web3 perspective, we then need to start to understand two simple concepts. For anything to scale, it has to be simple. The cognitive load to use it has to be low mm. and the key value proposition obvious. Yeah. You can never scale anything that's difficult to use. And I use Google as an example. The homepage Google had 30 years ago is the same homepage they have today. <laughs> and we all know True. all the technology behind it, right, wrong, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. You can't scale what you can't simplify. Mm-hmm. And the more simplistic something is, the more adoption. However, in order to make it work, you need governance. Because you cannot sustain scalability without governance. And regardless of what industry you're in. Because what happens is, as you scale, you're going to get the bad actors. I'll use an example. Napster. Right? As more and more people got involved, illegal things started happening. Tornado cat. As as more people use it, funny things started happening. Right? Anything. That's just the nature of the beast. You know, Facebook at its height was pre-governance, right? And the governance evolved into other areas because they had to monetize data and they're working with, you know, state actors, all those things. So from an from a cautious perspective, when we decentralize and we redemocratize what it means to be self-sovereign, you know, distributed and permissionless, what then happens is we lower the barrier to entry because one, Freedom and privacy is a fundamental human right. Fact. Okay? No one grants you privacy or freedom. It's a right that every human, every entity has. So when we lower the barrier to entry, then we simplify that process, giving people the ability to exercise that right that's given to them. It's not, it's, not, it's not given by an entity because if any entity gives you something, they have the right to take it back. But when we lower the barrier to entry, then that mass adoption comes in. Now, in the industry we're in, the biggest challenge we face is governance. Because, again, if you don't show that you can self-govern, other people will do it for you. And that's exactly what we are seeing now because you have all these kids running around engaging in malfeasant behavior and a lot of the blowback is what we're seeing today. Yeah. So just to uh, 
make it crystal clear for anyone out there who's not well-versed in the cloud hosting space. Something that is hosted on the cloud does not necessarily mean that it's decentralized or distributed. Most likely, it is not. It is data stored in a centralized data center. Um, Sure, the data center might be situated multiple places on Earth, but it's still governed. There's a central point of failure. It's governed and controlled by one entity, Google, Amazon, you name it. A cash network is different. And that's uh, where I want to throw the mic to you, Alani. Uh, How is a cash different? So let me start, start answering that question by saying, I've been in the enterprise technology space for 21 years. I spent a chunk of it building data centers around the world. As a matter of fact, um, I was one of the earlier, um, part of the earlier group that was that used shipping containers to build modularized data centers and we shipped them around the world. Hmm. Um, and one of the issues, as you so mentioned earlier, was people think decentralization is something that's always been known. There are many data centers that are actually owned by some of these entities. So if you think, you know, you know, Google has 100 data centers, however many, no, they have actually three to four times that amount. Half of them just don't fly under the banner of Google. Okay. <laughs> That's the interesting thing. I mean, if you've ever heard names like FiberTech, you know, the old SunGuard, many of those companies, you know, they basically are clients, the entire business, you know, they serve one of these major entities. So, yeah, and it, that's it's fascinating, right? Mm. I didn't know that actually. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's, I mean, it's. I mean, SLAs, and that, that's going to that's going into my next point because when people host data or infrastructure on the big names, see, people aren't paying for the actual infrastructure; they're paying for the SLA. So, when I go to Amazon or any of the usual suspects. I don't care whether they're using Dell servers or Supermicro, you know, or whatever they built or EMC Centeros. I don't care. What I care about is the fact that, okay, for, you know, $10 a month, for example, right, mm-hmm. deploying here, this data is going to be available come rain, come shine, because these guys own 300 data centers, right? And they're going to stripe the data across for, you know, high availability, backups, and all that is going to be available. However, that's where things get a little murky. Because when you think about decentralization and being in the being a, being, a, being a younger industry, smart contracts drive a lot of that. Yeah. So how do we lower that barrier for the Web two entities to make the foray into Web three and understand one ownership is undisputable, is self sovereign. You're immune from being deplatformed because today it doesn't matter what you do if. Google or whoever doesn't like what you're talking about, they can just kneecap you. They've done it many, 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 many times. You know, there's price elasticity and you have absolute control. Most people, when they deploy applications, they don't read the user. They just just click yes, 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 agree, agree, agree. If you actually read the end user license agreement to what you're signing, you don't own your data, my friend. Hmm. (laughs) You are subject to whatever rules that the hosting entity deems appropriate due to a few factors. One, geographic location, your data type, 
your network usage and all the factors which you know they reserve the right to do whatever they want to do because at the end of the day you're just a tenant on their infrastructure so so in a sense you uh any website any app whatever is deployed on these uh, cloud services google cloud amazon web services whatever you're feeding the beast exactly. essentially exactly and they index everything so if you mm. think Palantir isn't looking at your data, they know more about you before you even know what's in the <laughs> mm. what's in your instance. You know, so what Akash has done is reverse all of that and say, hey, privacy, self-sovereignty is a fundamental right, and let's lower the barrier. So Akash has now emerged as the bridge between Web 2 and Web 3. And we have to continue as a mandate to lower that barrier to entry to enable more builders to participate in a qualitative forward-moving manner that ensures that no one is alienated because it's not a zero-sum game. Web3 needs Web2 as much as Web2 needs Web3. As a matter of fact, there are enterprise discussions now where many enterprise companies are starting to add Web3 to their risk management strategy. And that's a good start because now Web3 is in conversations. You know, Akash is in those discussions. And there are many platforms we power that people don't even know that run on Akash. <laughs> and that brings me to, to my next question, actually, because it seems like things are really shaping up in the sort of decentralized storage space industry, as I call it. Mm -hmm. uh, I know AMD is uh, piling in, Seagate. Uh, mm -hmm. Young. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you can list a bunch of other names. Yeah. So, so what do you guys see happening there? It uh, it really seems like uh, this whole vision that Akash and others are pushing for is is coming true. Thankfully, yes, it is. It is. I mean, I think one is you know Akash being the first. You have to realize that whenever you're the first, it's like being the first. First born in any family, you catch all the arrows and the daggers, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what Akash has done, what Overclock Labs has done, is we've basically taken the last few years to de-risk this vertical for a lot of the entrants coming in. Because they're looking at what Akash is doing, what Akash has done, where we have succeeded, where we have failed, and what, where we are improving, right? And they are building on top of that. So we are setting the strength. And for us, from an ecosystem perspective, you know, we're also attracting some of those strategic partners. You know, we talked about, you know, even NVIDIA, many of these folks are now getting in the game because they realize that, wait a minute, if you look beyond the data center, right, there is so much storage and compute available hmm. out there. So the example I always give is, if you go to Comic-Con, a conference in Austin or San Diego, wherever, you know, whichever city, Let's take a quick break here from today's sponsor. Gelato is a luck-based gaming platform that offers lottery games for various assets accessible on Cosmos using IBC. The prizes and lottery tickets are paid in all kinds of native Cosmos coins, such as Atom, Osmo, Juno, Secret, Stars, and of course, Gelato's own token, GLTO. Shortly after launching their lottery game, Gelato plans to add more games of chance, such as blackjack and slots, ultimately building an online casino in the cosmos. For more information, visit gelato.io. That is gelato.io. I was saying, you know, Akash decentralizes all of that. And if you went into certain 
headquarters, you would notice there's a lot of compute power available just out there. You know, if you went to the gaming industry, you know, gamers, if you went to Comic-Con, a lot of folk, you know, gamers generally have very, very souped up rigs, right? And the power of networks exponentially continue to increase. So the collective, you know, on a planetary scale, there is so much compute power available mm -hmm. out there that you don't even need enterprises in many cases. So many of these companies are now looking into their own ecosystem. If I was an AMD or an Intel or an NVIDIA, I'm looking at my entire ecosystem going, we've got 3 million you know, <laughs> GPU rigs out there in just residences alone, many of which already have fiber optic connectivity. How can we connect? Mm -hmm. That's when you really start to unlock value. So Akash has paved the way for a lot of those, you know, experiments with, I mean, our thesis is very clear. And now we are seeing ecosystems pile onto that thesis and using it as a, as a springboard to re-engage their ecosystems in ways that they have never done it before. And that's because Akash got it started. Mm. And do you see a like general or pattern in these trigger points? Like, is it something that is coming up again and again when you talk to these organizations, why they want to move from a centralized cloud data center to something like Akash? Or is it is it very spread out? Like it's very different compared to, de depending on who you talk to? Well, it depends on who you talk to. Generally, when you speak to smaller teams, because when you go to one of the problems we have in blockchain is we, we're stuck in this echo chamber, right? Where, right. you know, you go to five crypto conferences and in all five, half the people are the folks you just saw the prior week at the prior conference, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. And, yeah. And one of the things I've been pushing for across our entire ecosystem is let's start going to the places where we're not expected. Right. So go to a supply chain management conference, you know, go to a hotel management conference, go to a logistics management conference, go to a hotel software, go to an entertainment conference, go to a healthcare software conference. Right. Go to a, you know, gaming conference. You know what I mean? Go to. Nice. Yes. Because there are teams innovative teams, well-funded, building solutions in those industries that can leverage Web3. But yeah. since we are not exposed to those communities, we are not able to connect with them and demonstrate our value. So some of the conversations we've had was talking to people outside of our ecosystem. <laughs> and they go, yeah. oh, wait, we can use this. <laughs> We didn't know about, you know, so those are some of the things we start to look at how the industry matures as a whole, right, to ensure that we continue to engage and not talking to the same people. A great example I will use in this conversation is engineers, and I love, I mean, I, I'm a trained engineer. <laughs> I, I love my fellow engineers, but we are some of the cheapest bastards out there. Okay. <laughs> you know, you try to. Hey, yeah. I take that personally. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> Sit on it. I mean, think about it for a second. No matter what, I have but it's never, true. It's true, man. Yeah, I have never in my life met one engineer who looks at another engineer's work and gives them a hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, good engineers sit back and go, convince me to use your stuff when I can build it. <laughs> true. Okay. So. Knowing that fully well, 
in order to unlock value, shouldn't we be talking to people outside of our ecosystem? Because that's how we know how people want to use Web3, how they want to use decentralized infrastructure. So what Akash has been doing is reaching out outside of the Cosmos ecosystem, outside you know, of the blockchain ecosystem, outside of crypto, outside of convention, what conventions say you should do, we're, we are reaching outside of those boundaries. As a result, we're having qualitative conversations that also helps us, you know, as a chain, as a company, understand how the you know public perceives us from the outside and how we can help mold that perception into ways that's collaborative because you cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and your role is very much to make it as easy as possible to host and set up something mm -hmm. with a cash network instead of choosing some of the bigger guys, the incumbents, Google, Google Cloud, what, whatever, pick your poison. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I want to shift a little bit to um, not so much about the whole Binance and uh, FTX mm -hmm. uh, debacle, but uh, something that happened, I think it was only last week. So ages ago in crypto world, <laughs> but uh, Hersner, another uh, cloud hosting provider mm -hmm. uh, that hosts a lot of people, they host uh, nodes, mm -hmm. validators uh, by using Hersner, mm -hmm. particularly Solana, which was then banned, shut down by Hersner. All the mm -hmm. nodes running uh, through their uh, storage cloud uh, cloud center, they uh, they were shut down. Yeah. Is that something that will catalyze uh, the movement of validators and people validating blocks on all kinds of chains on a cash network? Because I haven't heard about many people running validator nodes on a cash network, but maybe I'm just uneducated on this. Yeah. No, there are people running nodes on a cash network for sure. Um, they just mm -hmm. don't advertise it because most validators don't want anyone to know what their infrastructure looks like because then you can predict their cost, right? Um, <laughs> But on the Hertzner situation, again, that is a prime example, you know, of why if you do not self-govern, other people will do it for you. Mm, nice. You know, the fact that one entity has such locum of power that they can completely yank the rug out of people who have paid them to host their sensitive infrastructure on their infrastructure it's exactly why Web3 matters and Web3 exists, and that's why Akash exists to ensure that does not happen. Okay? Now, Amen, brother. Exactly. So in looking at that situation, we should also realize that, look, from a key value prop perspective, if you're a validator or whatever the hell you're doing, even if you set yourself up as a provider on Akash and then host your infrastructure, you're paying yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. True. If for nothing else, do it that way. Mm. But from a governance perspective, we should all be livid that again, and, and that's the ultimate power flex. Okay. Because if an entity can say, we're not going to host this industry, then we have to take a step back and ask ourselves, are we enabling this behavior because we tolerate it? And what's the answer going to? Because if they can do it to you, trust me, they can do it to anybody else. It's not just a crypto thing. Crypto is just a nice testing ground for people to look at, you know, what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. Yeah. And going back to your FTX conversation, 
No, it's not off limits. You can ask if you want. And I'm going to give you my very quick perspective on that, you know, and right, wrong, you know, right, wrong or indifferent, whether anyone agrees with me or not, sue me, whatever. But please do. <laughs> the point here is the key learnings from this exercise is that we need adults in the room. Yeah. The fact that Binance could look under the hood within 24 hours and make a decision, that's yeah. testament that you are finally getting adults in the room. Yeah. Because 99% of learning is learning how to learn. Mm. Most books, if a book is 300 pages long, 10 times out of 10, you only need more like 10 or five pages there that has all the facts you need. The rest is just fluff. So the fact that an entity knew exactly what to look for, and I've been doing this a long time, and I always tell people, you don't need a lot of time for due diligence. If you know what to look for, it tells you the story. So I think we're starting to see an emergence of industry maturity, and I commend Binance for at least demonstrating that example that if you know what to look for, you don't need to pay attention to the rest, right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah. Yeah, that whole thing just... Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to uh, see how it unfolded so fast, really. Uh, I mean, FTX was known to be the organization that bailed out other organizations. Mm -hmm. not Perhaps not the adult in the room, but at least uh, they seemed to be the responsible organization in the space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then looking under the hood, 24 hours later, they are acquired by an even bigger guy. Um, yeah, I, In general, centralized exchanges are just... I don't know if they're doomed, but perhaps not. But there just seems to be so much fishy things going on. I, we, we got so many examples now. We got Celsius, we got Voyager, all these hedge funds crashing down. Like all, like transparency is just so key. Uh, and the reason why they could uh, grow up to be to become a size like this and then just uh, falling in twenty four hours or less is yeah. because of the the lack of transparency or this opaque way of running things. Which is it's, a, a big problem. It's governance. It's governance. And we can do this ourselves. So at a cost, for example, we changed our entire validator program um, starting earlier this year. And what we said was all of our validators must lead by example. One, you must run at least, even if it's a century node or an RPC in order, you, you must run something on decentralized infrastructure because we cannot lecture other people about Web3 while running on Web2. Hmm. Secondly, you must participate in governance initiatives, contribute to the ecosystem, but more importantly, you must be a builder first, validator second. And since we implemented that program, we've probably yanked delegations from about 10, 20% of validators that were just collecting mailbox money and not doing anything. And now we have focused on builders. And the quality of our validator set has not only improved, but they continue to set an example of how you run a governance framework and then engage our validators, our building tools. They're in our insider program. You can go to our Discord. They, they are so active and engaged that nice. together we are building out of the bear market while setting an example of what governance should look like. And then we've moved our cab, the community awards board, and swapped it into the, punched it into the Akash Accelerator, where we fund projects that are building on Web2 with a focus on lowering the barrier to entry with tools that want the key value prop is obvious, usable, right? And after going through our nine-month program, they are fully highly valued startups in their own right 
with the revenue model and they can stand on their own too. So we're rapidly maturing the industry to the best that we can while keeping decentralization of Web3 at the core of everything we do. So that operating velocity is now a template that any chain can adopt and rapidly scale out. Because again, being the first of many, that's just what we do. We lay the groundwork, templatize it, and then hand it off. Hmm. So that being said, how do we scale that? How do we push beyond the, you know, the cost? Because the government fiscal system itself, it's not huge. You know, so we need to scale that, templatize it so that all the chains outside of Cosmos can start adopting it. Because I can tell you right now, from Washington to Brussels, those geriatrics, most of them can barely walk a smartphone. And those are the same people that are writing regulation for crypto and Web3 and decentralization. I mean, that that's just set up alarm bells, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah true that so i want to take a, a little bit deeper dive into how how akash operates and in particular how it operates with the permissionless uh, sort of features built into the network because obviously permissionless i don't think we need to convince anyone that uh, in here that uh, a permissionless network is uh, is good but mm -hmm. it comes also with challenges and obviously, mm -hmm. when it comes to hosting something and putting something online, permissionless, a lot of people will probably think about how do you guys prevent, I don't know, child pornography, like malicious, uh, yeah, kind of stuff uh, being posted and, and published via a cash network. Uh, mm -hmm. Illegal stuff, straight up illegal stuff, basically. So mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys have been thinking about this. Um, yeah. Maybe you can talk more to that. Yes, definitely. So just three things is one, incentivize participation, which is, you know, tokens align participants to work together towards a common goal, which is the growth of the network and, you know, appreciation and making sure that the gains are socialized and the um, benefits accrue across mm -hmm. the network. And from a permissionless perspective, you know, we it means anyone can use can use resources, deploy on a cache, build on a cache, you know, do anything without having to generate access credentials or get permission from a provider. So if you wanted to deploy a game or any sort of application on a cache provider, you don't need permission. You know, you go on, you plug into the network and you, you know, look for, you know, set out your, you know, the uh, your uh, configuration parameters and you get a list of providers and you pick one and you deploy. All you need is your wallet connected to it. Done. And network verification ensures that instead of being stored on servers, the data is stored on chain, on the network. So changes are recorded on the blockchain via network verification. Hmm. So that enables access in a permissionless manner that, that incentivizes both parties. Now, from a content moderation perspective, we are actually in the throes of putting together a PCMS program, Provider Content Moderation Service. And that's going to include the entirety of the Akash community and beyond. Now, the mechanics of how this is going to work, um, we are still fine-tuning, but this is to ensure that we can, you know, whether it's algorithmically, you know, or VR optimizations, monitor for content that's not uh, um, 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 <laughs> legal, obviously. We don't want anything legal on network. That's never happened yet, So, and we want to keep it that way. But it yeah. also shows dominance because we are reaching out to the community, you know, unlike conventional projects where the 
creators or, or the authors, you know, just come up with a set of rules. Okay, this is what we're going to implement. Akash is not doing that. We are engaging our entire ecosystem on what content moderation should look like, how we should implement it, and how to ensure the entire community participates in that process. So we focus on the governance, like a steering committee, not the implementation of it. Because again, it's self-sovereign, it's decentralized. And in, and, and, with, and, and in the spirit and ethos of decentralization and self-sovereignty, we are not going to touch or dictate or even recommend what content moderation should look like. The community tells us how they want to moderate and regulate content, and we govern with the community on how that process is optimized, decentralized, transparent, and above all, on-chain. Hmm. And when you say community, is that mainly the validators who are responsible for that? or Actually, no. Anybody that's interested in participating is welcome hmm. to participate. That includes builders, partners, validators, the crypto curious, engineers, non-engineers, designers, journalists, bloggers, bank, anybody that wants to be a part of that process is welcome to join in that discussion. Let's cool. take a quick break here from today's sponsor. Checked is a trusted data network that enables individuals and organizations to take back control of their data. Based on blockchain technology, Checked is built upon public permissionless network secured and governed by their own token, the Check token. Checks permissionless network provides the payment rails, customizable commercial models, and governance structures for trusted data, including and not limited to self-sovereign identity, making it easier for individuals and organizations to trust each other. No more data silos to be leaked or hacked, no more data sold without consent, and no more relationships and transactions without trust. For more information, visit check.io, that is check.io. How, how do they do that exactly? It's like, is it through their, your website? Is there, yes. Yeah, how, how do yes. we do so that? Actually, we, there are various options and I'll go through with them one by one. Mm -hmm. First, it could be forum on our forum. It's public, forum.akash.network. Or you can connect with us via Twitter. We are very engaged, very active. You can reach out to me or anyone on the Akash team or, or, or our Twitter channel. You can also go via our accelerator program. If you have a really cool tool that you fit, because we fund some of these projects as well. Nice. Go to the you know, you know, akash.network slash accelerator and fill out the form, make your proposal, we review it, and we respond to every proposal, whether it's a yes or a no or a meeting or a review, and if it makes sense, We'll fund it. <laughs> you know, if it's just a general open source contributor, go to our GitHub page, make some suggestions. We'll look at it. So again, in the spirit of true decentralization, and we've seen some of, you know, we have a few shops that are emerging now trying to do the same thing. But when you look under the hood, it's just, a, you know, they buy 10, 12 servers, you know, spread them across the country and call that decentralization. We're like, no, we have partners from data centers to individuals with computers. <laughs> to companies with excess compute, you know, to even data centers who have spare compute capacity. So we are staying true to the ethos of decentralization because decentralization, privacy, and self-sovereignty is a fundamental human right. Yeah. Yeah, and I must say, just from a personal note, uh, it's, it's super cool what you guys have set up and 
how easy you make it for uh, anyone to host or allow uh, for to be a hosting provider essentially like I had a I had an idea not too long ago with another friend where we were considering setting up like a cloud hosting company via a cache by con- you know gathering a bunch of electronic equipment computers whatever we could uh, <laughs> collect uh, also with sort of an environmental touch instead of uh, these computers ending up in the in, a, in the bin, basically, you could uh, <laughs> donate it to us. So uh, the cost of capital, the cost of uh, yeah, basically goods and supplies were, were literally zero, and then we would hook it up to a uh, cash network kind of uh, yeah setup. Um, we never went through with it? it. Yeah, we never went through with it, but uh, maybe we should revisit. But the cool thing was that a cash network provides that opportunity for entrepreneurs all over the world. Uh, I'm sure others have have had the same the same idea. Uh, I Crazy you say that, because as a matter of fact, we one of our newest partners is Faron. Mm-hmm. You know, and Faron is comparable to Terraform. Yeah. And Faron had they hosted multi-city events, and I was a part of, I've been a part of every one of those events over the last few weeks, you know, in New Delhi, Bengaluru, Nairobi, Lagos, you know, and it's amazing to see what some of these teams are building mm-hmm. in those areas. And many of them now are plugging into the Akash network. So we're now, you know, on a planetary scale, decentralization is now, we are normalizing it and folks are now embracing it. And the beauty of that is you look etymologically speaking in the Western world where, you know, we start on a course and then you start, we, we're seeing a lot of vanity tools being built, right? We don't need another block explorer. You know, we have more than enough, but people are still building them and making them fancier, right? And then you go to other countries whose priorities are different. You know, I looked at a, a, a pitch deck just last week of, of, of someone building a tool that enables farmers to trade agricultural commodities. You know, I have, you know, a ram, and then the guy in the next town has, you know, corn or chicken, whatever it is, you know, and they want to do all that on chain, you know, which is pretty cool. So we're going with so we're starting to address multiple sides of the market, and this story has now become fascinating because it unlocks the power of Web three, blockchain technology access, enable the unbanked to participate in global, global transactions. You know, so that those I mean the, the value the key value prop is very obvious, and people are going to use it in their own unique ways. And what you just described now repurposes old infrastructure. Because I can yeah. tell you right now, I have I have I have seen forty million dollars in just computer servers put through the grinder, grinder, <laughs> and completely just grind it down to bits, and then it was run through a magnet to remove all the copper, <laughs> so they can go melt it and repurpose it. I've seen yeah. it happen. I mean, I used to build data centers for a living, so I understand those mechanics. So what you're describing is that is a fantastic story where we can now repurpose. Don't send, don't send them to the recycling mill. Just repurpose them and plug them on the network. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that uh, brings me to uh, the master plan that you guys came up with not too long ago, uh, or at least published. We, uh, we did a thread on this, actually, on, the, on our Twitter uh, profile, Cosmos Club. And uh, just to recap for anyone who hasn't seen, uh, you start with the Cosmos ecosystem, being a Cosmos app chain, etc., Moving on to broader Web3, uh, the Web3 space, then moving into AI, and finally the enterprise uh, ecosystem or, or 
segment. So what does that mean? Perhaps you can speak more to this, elaborate. What, what, what is, why these steps and uh, why this order, basically? Well, that's because all three verticals are not coterminous, right? Because regardless of, you know, how we innovate or what we build, regardless of what industry we're in, you still have to crawl before you walk, before you run, right? So when we build competencies in certain verticals, right, it preps you for, you know, for the next conversation. So I talked about the enterprise earlier. You know, there's a direct correlation between machine learning, IoT, and then enterprise applications. And enterprise applications, when usually when you say enterprise, people think massive data centers, you know, they think Oracle, JD Edwards, SAP, and all that. No, you know, enterprise applications at scale that fulfills a very specific purpose and can be repurposed with an operating velocity um, that includes, you know, MRP applications. That's things like manufacturing, you know, um, manufacturing, uh, manufacturing based resource planning, and, you know, enterprise resource different applications that ensures you can you can process you know different transactions at scale not necessarily financial it could be manufacturing it could be, it could be supply chain it could be healthcare it could be anything just big massive uh uh uh, uh computer processing power right. now that being said in order to get there right you have to first you have to first really optimize for machine learning mm-hmm. because if you can solve for machine learning Enterprise application is a logical next step. Because remember something here that even blockchain tech, everything we're doing is predicated on the network, right? Yeah. If satellites go down, we lose internet, then the blockchain is useless. Yeah. <laughs> right? So when you solve for machine learning, which also includes a very, very heavy, heavy leaning on networking, then the natural next progression is to go into the enterprise space. And we are, you know, and, and without mentioning any names, we are in various um, collaborative collaborative relationships with some entities in that space, optimizing for that. So that one big push will be something that will happen over a few months, but they will be in subsequent, not coterminous, not at the same time. So that master plan is to ensure that we're covering the length and breadth of the entire global ecosystem that encapsulates both the individual user, the business user, right? The drive-by users. So let's think about miners, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, the miners generally come, the miners are opportunists, right? You know, if there's free compute, they, they're like drive-by shooters. If there's free compute, they come in, get what they can, <laughs> and then they move on, right? And, say, I mean, and, and I understand it. I mean, it's what it is. You know, we got to get compute when we can get it. But that master plan looks forward in an inclusive manner that ensures that from day one, what our goal was, was a completely decentralized company. And now we've added storage. We added IP leases, you know, with mainnet 4 coming up. And all of those capabilities directly relate to that master plan. Hmm. So nice. you look at it as a product, it's like a product roadmap. You know, A needs to happen before B. B before yeah. C. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, not to put you on the spot here, Alani, but uh, sure. when will Akash take over some of the big guys? Like uh, a lot of people, I think, having listened in for almost an hour now, they uh, I think they will be pretty hooked on Akash. So um, speaking of the roadmap, you guys are aiming incredibly high, and I think for good reasons. So when will we start talking about a cash network in the category of, you know, the Google Clouds and the Amazon Web Services and the Microsoft Azure's, do you think? 
So those some of those conversations are actually already started, you know, but they're not in the mainstream domain yet. Because mm. today, if you think about Kubernetes, for example, if you go into Kubernetes inner circles, they're talking about Akash. <laughs> okay. Now the scale nice. that yeah, the scale to which those discussions are going to be happening, you have to bear in mind that Akash really is not their competition. Akash is the alternative. Right. You know, so, so we're not saying, hey, we want to put Google out of business. No, when that's not the business we're in. We are the alternative, right? If you if you're on web two and it works for you, great. But if you want something different, or if you're a journalist and you've been deplatformed once or twice and you really need yourself sovereign, you know, I keep saying the next Twitter, the next Wikipedia, and the next WikiLeaks will be built on Web3 and on a 90% scale will be built on a cash. Amen. Amen, man. We can only hope. And uh, because of the good work that you guys are doing, it uh, might just happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, like I always tell people, hope is not a strategy. A plan is a strategy. <laughs> yeah, and you guys seem to have one. I can only hope, sitting on my end. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Alani, you are a busy man, um, so I don't want to keep you or hold you up too long. Uh, you have a very important mission to execute on. But is there anything uh, you want to leave the community with? You've been. Uh, dropping uh, some some alpha uh, today already, but maybe there's something that uh, you want to spill today or just in general where people can find you and, and join in. Yeah, so one, you can find me on Twitter. You know, follow me. If you can, if you want to DM me, I have a, you know, I, I always respond. But more importantly, I want us to just remember that, you know, for privacy to exist, it must be decentralized. Hmm. Um, for self-sovereignty to exist, it must be decentralized. And it not, it's not so much competition, it's collaborative competition because we cannot shake hands with clenched fists. Hmm. And bear market, bull market, whatever the situation is, keep your eye on the ball because we're all in this together. And if you took anything away from this session today, we, we are just getting started. So feel free to ask any questions on Twitter, DM, follow, do whatever you have to do because we are in this together. That's my spiel. Well said, man. Thank you so much for coming on, Alani, and Akash Network in general. This has been a pleasure and an honor. So, uh, yeah, stay safe wherever you are and uh, speak soon. All right, speak soon. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, man. Ciao. Right. Ciao.